At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. So, House Republicans have fully embraced Donald J. Trump's tiny, ugly Johnson. One threatening social media post from the man whose only true skill is threatening social media posts and these independent, rogue, deep-thinking men and women of the people fell right in line and picked the Eddie Haskell of the Trump Christo-fascist homophobic authoritarian theocracy, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, to lead their jackal pack. The man who once said... You know, the allegations about these voting machines, some of them being rigged with this software by Dominion, there's a lot of merit to that. The fix was in. The new speaker was, in fact, much deeper in the election subversion weeds than generally known. Hours after his election yesterday, sources produced a, quote, record, unquote, of a closed-door Republican meeting on January 5th, 2021. One sunset before the more violent of those who agreed with Trump and Speaker Johnson tried to seize the Capitol and overthrow the election by violent revolution. Politico obtained the, quote, record, which based on the precision of the quotes therein must be a recording or a transcript of a recording, but Politico's not saying that. In any event, Johnson was as strong an advocate in that meeting for the lie that the election was rigged and the outcome in doubt and the Constitution on Trump's side as Steve Bannon or Sean Hannity or any proud boy. He is a bastard insurrectionist. It is well known that Mike Johnson led the effort to get House Republicans to send an amicus brief to the Supreme Court for Ken Paxton's authoritarian lawsuit on behalf of the state of Texas which was an attempt to get Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito and their fellow travelers to disenfranchise Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin because each state had voted for Joe Biden. That evil compendium of sophistry was so manipulative, so full of lawyer crap, that Congressman Mo Brooks and Matt Gates would later say that Trump should pardon 
Congressman Mike Johnson and every other congressman who signed the Mike Johnson brief. It is not as well known that in the weeks prior to the January 6th coup attempt, Trump and Johnson, quote, traded phone calls and discussed legal strategy repeatedly. Johnson was Trump's man on the inside. And finally, at the January 5th Republican meeting, which turned out to be the House insurrection pregame show, this record Politico obtained shows that Johnson insisted to his colleagues that, quote, it's not over yet, and echoed things he'd said in public months before, like, I don't concede anything, and that the Dominion voting machines had, quote, a software system that is used all around the country that is suspect because it came from Hugo Chavez's Venezuela, unquote. I'll add the footnote here that talk like that cost Fox News $787 million after Dominion sued them, but did not sue Mike Johnson. All Mike Johnson got was to become Speaker of the House, which circles back to lawsuits and Johnson's fervent conviction that the only reason, and he still feels this way, that Trump did not overturn the 2020 election was that he did not have good enough lawyers. He only had Rudy Giuliani. Back to the January 5th meeting, which the Washington Post reports separately, was at the House's Visitor Center. Visitors to the House on January 5th. Irony there. The Post says Johnson constructed elaborate constitutional talking points to use so his fellow Republican congressmen could justify overturning an election for constitutional reasons, not for fraud reasons, not for usurpation reasons. Per Politico, Johnson continued to argue on January 5th that the next day the House had to object to counting the electoral votes submitted by at least a minimum number of states won by Joe Biden, and he threw in somebody he thought was on his side and Trump's side in the whole dispute. God. Politico quotes Johnson on January 5th as saying, This is a very weighty decision. All of us have prayed for God's discernment. I know I've prayed for each of you individually. What he was praying for, Politico reported, was that they would all join him in blocking certification. There was pushback at the January 5th meeting from Republican congressmen like Don Bacon and Chip Roy. If you're wondering where the provenance of the, quote, record of this meeting that suddenly appeared after Johnson's election, and where this all might have come from, Politico quotes huh. Chip Roy as telling Johnson on January 5th, quote, let us not turn the last firewall for liberty we have remaining on its head in a bit of populist rage for political expediency. Golly, I can't guess who gave Politico the record. Of course, Chip Roy and Don Bacon both voted for Mike Johnson yesterday. They all did. They all voted for him. A couple of presents. Nobody voted against him. And it is, in retrospect, amazing that it even took the idiots in the House GOP caucus that long to find their Johnson with both hands. He checks all the boxes. Full-on election denialist, nihilist, as noted above. Full-on homophobe. Wrote newspaper editorials advocating for the criminalization of gay sex. Quote, your race, creed, and sex are what you are, while homosexuality and cross-dressing are things you do. States have many legitimate grounds to proscribe same-sex deviant sexual intercourse. Full-on forced breeder 
He tweeted advocating jail time for Louisiana doctors who provide reproductive care to women. Quote, perform an abortion and get imprisoned at hard labor for one to ten years and find ten to one hundred thousand dollars. Full-on forcing of religion. He defended programs at 25 public universities like Louisiana State, as in state school, that paid with taxpayer money for Christian chaplains for their football teams. He insists the First Amendment requires student-led prayers in public schools. This guy is effing nuts. Full-on Hunter Biden DOJ paranoid conspiracy theorist. He liked tweets on the subject by Stephen Miller, Matt Gates, and others. He demanded Biden administration officials testify three years after he demanded the Trump administration officials ignore House subpoenas because executive privilege. Full-on theocrat. He's the former senior spokesman for the ironically named Alliance Defending Freedom which sues to overturn abortion rights, to overturn LGBTQ rights. In order to work for the alliance, you must publicly take an oath insisting that you believe God opposes gay people, abortion, transgender therapy, anybody who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, and God opposes divorce. And most importantly, Mike Johnson is full-on anonymous. Politico asked Senator Tom Barrasso, number three Republican in the Senate, about Johnson. I don't know him. I know what I've read in the paper. CNN asked Susan Collins about working with Johnson. She said she doesn't know him, but was going to Google him this morning. My God, it actually makes you yearn for Susan Collins saying something smarter than that. Like, I don't know, like Johnson has learned his lesson. And yet, while Mike Johnson has ascended out of the wreckage of the Republican Party and has already begun to enslave what is left of it into fealty to Trump and MAGA, while he's made it to the top by virtue of having no public profile and no rap sheet and no enemies, there is a hidden time bomb that could, and I emphasize this is a long shot, though only long shots seem to be paying off lately for America's fascists, there is a hidden time bomb, a long shot that could undo brand new, freshly minted Speaker Mike Johnson, because the House rule on the vacate the chair motion that offed Kevin McCarthy, it's still there and it still requires only one member to trigger all this all over again. One of the largely unaddressed aspects of the disease that is Donald Trump is the reality that there is almost no politician or public figure he has not embraced, then denounced, or denounced, then embraced. As I often point out as proof of my theorem, Donald Trump once wrote a fan letter to me. And apart from the fact that the Politico report about the January 5th meeting confirms that at least one Republican who voted for Mike Johnson yesterday seems to be ready to unseat him tomorrow and release that report... Johnson has another, and in this time when we live through the Trumpian looking glass, potentially far more lethal skeleton in his closet. And it is this. Mike Johnson criticized Donald Trump on January 6th during the insurrection. We heard a tweet from the commander in chief a moment ago, support our Capitol Police and law enforcement, he writes. They're truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Does he need to say more? 
Uh, that's a good start. But, I, you know, I do believe, I mean, you know, I'm a supporter of the president. You know, but, but this is a time for the commander in chief, the, the, the leader of the country. He still is that uh, to, to step up and call for calm and, and, and speak in these in these same tones, you know, to, to pull us together. To you and I, and even most Republicans, especially while the barbarians were at the gate looking for congressmen and senators and vice presidents to hang, that, that's nothing. To Trump, that would be utter and unforgivable disloyalty, and it is unmistakably true that he has clearly never heard that clip of the backbencher he just helped turn into Speaker of the House. Or it has never been thrown in his face with the right framing. You do know, sir, that this Johnson guy thought you didn't do enough to stop the mob on January 6th. You do know that, sir, don't you? That he blamed you for doing enough, sir? Mike Johnson could very well still be Speaker of the House 377 days from now, Election Day 2024. He could very well be there on certification day in 2025 to try to illegally subvert that presidential election in a million different ways as he tried to illegally subvert the 2020 election. He could betray this country again, and this time he might not just merely survive a failed coup, but get away with his scheme. Or somebody might play that tape of him and Bill Hemmer to Trump. And uh, an hour later... An even crazier Trump whore than Mike Johnson in Congress could submit a motion to vacate the chair. And they'll be throwing Mike Johnson's career over there on the pile where the careers of Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan and Tom Emmer have already started to rot. Here, when the hell is a judge in this country going to put Trump in jail? Trump would later storm out of the court muttering unbelievable to himself when the judge turned down his demand that the case against him in which he is clearly incredibly guilty be immediately dismissed. But at lunchtime, he takes the break in the civil fraud trial in New York, holds an impromptu news conference on the courthouse steps, as he was told by Judge Engeron not to. And five days after Engeron fined him five grand for breaking the gag order by leaving up online an attack on Engeron's court clerk, Trump again attacks the court clerk. This judge, well, because this judge is a very partisan judge with a person who's very partisan sitting alongside of him, perhaps even much more partisan than he is. The judge was furious. Trump's ambulance chasers insisted the reference wasn't to the clerk, but to the, the, the witness, Michael Cohen. And because they and Trump have spent their lives inside the shadow of a doubt and thus getting away with it, whatever it is, Engeron's fury resulted in Trump being fined $10,000. Now, I no longer believe anything about Dementia J. Trump. I do not believe he has $10,000. But the judges, like our layman judges in the news media, are so terrified of appearing biased against him. What a terrible thing. You're a judge. You're biased against the worst criminal in American history? Shame, shame, shame on you. They're so afraid of being judged as biased against him that they are bending over backwards to treat him in a way that you or I or a drug dealer or a murderer or somebody who merely owed thousands in unpaid parking tickets would not be treated. Trump leaves up an image of the post you ordered him to take down. His lawyers say it was 
inadvertent. Screw them. Screw him. Find him in contempt and put him in jail for the weekend. Then he comes out and attacks your clerk to the news media. His lawyers say he never mentioned anybody by name. In fact, he was returning to somebody else. Screw them. Screw him. Find him in contempt and put him in jail for the week. Or... If you do not have the courage to do that, if you do not have the foresight to realize that all of our other institutional protections against would-be madmen dictators have failed, the news media has failed, the Congress has failed, the electoral system has failed, if you cannot imprison him, if you do not have the balls to imprison him for things you would imprison me for, then when you fine him, make sure he feels it. Make sure his supporters feel it. Make sure it overwhelms every other story on the news everywhere in the world. You want to play this game? Trump, fine. We will play it, and we will play it at your level. You say Mar-a-Lago is worth $1,500,000,000. That's what this trial is all about. Fine, Mr. Trump. For violating the gag order, you are hereby fined $1,600,000,000. Pay the clerk on your way out, asshole. Also of interest here, speaking of whores, ho-hum, another Clarence Thomas scandal. But this one was only worth 267000 so it'll barely get a mention anywhere. The good news, they may have found the workaround for Tommy Tuberville's hold on military promotions. The bad news, the mayor of New York has said it again. He is the mayor of New York because God made him mayor. Huge if true. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. 
This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, the quick evolution of being a sports fan and reporter. When you become a fan as a kid, there are baseball managers so old that they were born in the previous century. At some point, before you get out of high school, probably somebody you saw play baseball becomes a manager and you suddenly feel old. By your 30s, all of the managers used to be players you saw play. By your 50s, all of the managers used to be players you interviewed. Or if you're me, people who tell you they used to watch you on SportsCenter when they were in the minor leagues. And by my current age, going on 65, the managers who did not reach the majors as players until you had already been a fan for a couple of years, those managers are retiring already. Johnny B. Dusty Baker has quit managing, bowing out after his Houston Astros lost the American League Championship Series. He reached the majors as a player in 1968. I first met him and interviewed him at the 1977 World Series. He became a manager in 1993, a year after I started to host SportsCenter. He managed the Giants, the Cubs, the Reds, the Nationals, and finally the Astros, with whom he finally won a World Series last year. He's 74 years old. I don't believe he has ever forgotten the name of anybody he has ever met on a baseball field. I am not certain he is a great strategic in-game manager, but... Please find me somebody who will say anything more critical of him than that, and I will be very surprised. I'll also be surprised if somebody does not try to talk him out of retirement in the next few years. There's another category of baseball manager, too, the guy you used to ride the subway with. I knew Bob Melvin a little bit when he was a player and a manager, and then in 2010, he became a consultant for the New York Mets, and by chance, we used to sit together during the games, and we became fast friends And we took the subway from the ballpark, and he'd never been on it before, and he loved it and started taking it all the time. And I can now tell you that I even wrote a letter of recommendation to a baseball owner on Bob's behalf for a managerial job he did not get, their mistake, and that Bob has been to my apartment for the specific purpose of meeting my dogs. Bob is now going to tie Dusty Baker with five different teams managed. The record is only six. He will leave the San Diego Padres to run the San Francisco Giants next season. What is amazing is that Bob became a manager in 2003, and the only year he has not been a major league manager was 2010, the year he and I became commuter friends. And to dive into the I'm-so-old pool one last time on the simple premise that (laughs) it's going to happen to you too if you're lucky, The 10 nominees have been announced for the 2024 Ford Frick Award, enshrinement in the Baseball Hall of Fame for a baseball announcer, which should be renamed the Vin Scully Award. Anyway, you ready for this list of 10? Joe Buck. I worked with him for three seasons at Fox, including the 2000 World Series. Joe Castiglione of the Red Sox. I never worked with him, but he and I were rookie Boston sportscasters together 39 years ago. Gary Cohen of the Mets, not only a dear friend, but a decade ago, Gary's mother revealed we were second-generation friends, that she had been prepubescent pals with my Uncle Bill in the Bronx on Weeks Avenue in 19-frickin'-43. Jacques Doucette of the Expos, I never met him, but I heard him on Expos' French broadcast 
during vacations to Montreal in 1969 and 1970. Tom Hamilton of the Cleveland Guardians. I actually don't know him. The late Ernie Johnson Sr. of the Braves. I worked with him when I was at CNN, and he and the other Braves announcers used to do stuff with us during the offseason, as fine a guy as his son. Ken Korach of the A's. I met him in spring training once. Delightful guy. Long talk about life. Mike Kruko and Dwayne Kuyper of the San Francisco Giants. Friends of mine since the 90s, although Kuyper is mad at me at the moment, possibly, because I wrote the biography on his 1976 baseball card, the front of which shows a picture of somebody else. And I texted with Mike Kruko yesterday. And Dan Schulman of the Blue Jays and ESPN. And he and I first worked together in 1993 when we tried to hire him away to join us on ESPN Radio. Only ESPN was too cheap to pay him to move from Toronto. And I texted with him yesterday, too. Ten nominees. Three I worked with. Four good friends. So don't ask me who to vote for. That's baseball. Nancy Faust. And by the way, why don't they have a section for organists at the Baseball Hall of Fame? Huh? Asking for a friend. on countdown you know what's been lost in american life the intricate complicated rehearsed mean-spirited practical joke it was my pleasure 41 years ago this month to participate in the best one i have ever witnessed in which we got a guy from the new york times to believe that he had just missed the biggest sports story of the year the janofsky prank in things I promise not to tell. Next, first time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world, the bronze. Tommy the Tuba Tuberville, the all-ears senator from Alabama who has been blocking nearly all military promotions while the Middle East is at war and Ukraine is going on and the Chinese continue to mess around in Asian waters and, and they may have shut him down. Punchbowl News reporting that Senate Democrats are preparing a resolution to send to the Senate Rules Committee that would allow the promotions, all of them, to go through, except for members of the Joint Chiefs or the Unified Combat Commands, all of these promotions to be voted on in one bill, thus thwarting Senator Dumbo. The Rules Committee will rule on how many votes would be required. Punchbowl reports Tuberville has heard about the effort, and with those ears, how could he have not have? The runner-up, good old Supreme Court Justice and judicial prostitute Clarence Thomas. There's a scandal about him and money. (laughs) I know, I know, you've heard this before. No, this is a different scandal about him and money. The New York Times says the Senate Finance Committee has unearthed evidence about and is investigating the loan that good old Clare took in 1999 to buy that RV that he loves so very much. 
because it puts him out on the road so he can meet the people whose lives he ruins for cash. $267,230 in a loan for a motor coach. A loan from healthcare industry mogul Anthony Welters. And in 2008, Welters simply wrote off this loan $267,000. It's unclear how much Thomas had paid back by then, if anything, of it. Thomas has refused to comment on the Times story, but the far right apparently remains very surprised that the rest of us are allowed to discuss this because they're the Supreme Court and they own us, remember? But our winner, New York Mayor Eric Adams. We've heard this before. The mayor believes he was put in office by God. I thank God I'm the mayor right now. And the more famous nonsense statement, quote, there is no way God created me for this moment if he did not believe this was my moment. Whatever that means. Now, those are great in their own way, but it's something else when you actually hear him saying it while it is being simultaneously translated into Spanish. Mayor Adams has gone on a New York Spanish language religion show, Radio Vision Cristiana, and he let one rip. I am mayor because God gave me the authority to be mayor. Soy alcalde porque Dios me dio la autoridad para ser alcalde. And he placed in the hearts of the voters to give me that authority. Y puso en el corazón de los votantes que me dieran esa autoridad. Sometimes we miss how God operates. See, I don't mind you thinking God puts you somewhere. I don't mind if you believe, you don't believe, you think the universe is run by an omniscient walrus named Chumley. Have fun. But see, when you go public like this, Mayor Adams, you make a dick out of yourself. And of all of us here in Big Town. Because if Chumley, or God, or whatever, really did put you in as mayor of New York, that necessarily means that God put all the other mayors of New York in as mayors of New York. God decided Rudy Giuliani was a good call. He chose Fernando Wood, the pro-secessionist, who let two rival gangs of cops fight it out on the steps of City Hall. God selected Jimmy Walker, who was so corrupt that the bank stopped loaning the city any money because he was stealing most of it, and whose cops used to arrest innocent women and accuse them of prostitution unless they paid them bribes, and who, when they finally caught him, made a plea deal in which, on top of everything else, he had to immediately get on a cruise ship and leave the country for Europe for years. See, Mr. Mayor, if you want to think that God put you in office, go nuts. But if he put you in office, that means he put all them schmucks in office, too. And maybe you have to wonder, Mr. Adams, did he put you in office as some sort of tribute to your greatness or as some kind of punishment? Mayor Eric, don't blame me. I voted for the garbage commissioner lady, Adams. Today's worst person in the world!
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. In March of 1982, I went from scheduled freelancer to full-time as CNN's national sports correspondent based in New York. I have mentioned previously that they rewarded me by offering me $1,000 less a year than they were giving me freelance, which tells you everything you need to know about working in television. CNN also rewarded me by sending me to the first meeting of the NFL Players Association and the NFL Management Council to negotiate a new contract and avert a strike that year. Kind of missed that target. But while I did lots of other stories in my first full year at CNN, I was the football strike guy until that strike was settled and a new deal was approved at a mass meeting in Washington and the mass meeting in Washington occurred just before Thanksgiving, like 40 years ago today, and the damn story had started 40 years ago last March. There are probably 5,700 stories worth telling you of covering this thing nearly every day, one way or the other, for eight months. But this one might be my favorite. There were, I think, three other reporters at that first bargaining session in New York in March of 1982. And if these are not the three guys I'm thinking of, they became the three guys in the subsequent meetings later in March and then in April when we had some in Washington and throughout the early summer. They were Bart Barnes of the Washington Post, Ira Rosenfeld of the Associated Press, and Michael Janofsky of the New York Times. By October, the four of us had been joined by maybe 100 other reporters, 200. The problem with covering any strike inside sports or outside of it is you don't have a lot of news to cover. 
And the only news story your editors or producers or readers or viewers want anyway is this one. Is the damn thing over yet? So there was a lot of competition among all of us for those few news nuggets and sources available to an ever-increasing supply of reporters. Though I have to say the others, at least the originals, were all great to me and I to them, to the point that when they moved the talks to the Hunt Valley Resort Complex in Maryland, United Press International and the networks like us called our location Hunt Valley, Maryland. But there was such a dearth of news that the Associated Press insisted there was no such place as Hunt Valley, Maryland, and we were all really in Cockeysville, Maryland. The same story would come across the UPI wire, Dateline, Hunt Valley, Maryland, and the same story on the AP wire, Cockeysville, Maryland. Then, the Associated Press did a story on the dispute over the location name. I remember asking Ira Rosenfeld of the AP if they had used the Dateline, Cockeysville, just so there'd be a dispute, just so he had something to write about. He started laughing and walked away. Anyway, Janofsky, the guy from the Times, was the most anxious of the bunch. Michael Janofsky was a little uh, abrasive, like literally elbowing you out of the way in the scrums with media spokesmen, or trying to walk those spokesmen out of those gaggles and scrums in order to get a one-on-one. I'm from the New York Times. And the only thing the owners and the players and the rest of us reporters all agreed on was, oh, God, here comes Janofsky again. So one long night in the resort they were using in Cockeysville and or Hunt Valley, Maryland, one of the union guys was having a drink with a bunch of us media types, and we started complaining about Janofsky. And I don't think the prank that was hatched was my idea. But I know I was the choreographer. The area I had to work with in the hotel in which we were permitted to roam ran from a swimming pool around a corner down a 100-foot hallway into the lobby, which was the press room and press conference venue. So we waited until we saw Janowski go down that hall away from the main lobby and around the corner towards the hotel rooms themselves. And then at least a dozen of us waited like evil school kids in the main part of that hallway between the swimming pool and the lobby. We sent a spotter to stand near the pool to alert us. So as Michael Janoski of the New York Times turned the corner 100 feet away, he saw the NFLPA press aide literally pushing some of us and everybody yelling and him saying, fine, it's true, it's true, it's over. Now I can't say another goddamn thing, I quit. He's trying to get away from us. There are arms flailing through the air, voices raised, a lot of oaths and swear words. In short, we have convinced Mr. Janofsky of the Times that he has just missed the end of the football strike. Janofsky sprints the hundred feet, grabs the union guy and says, tell me, tell me, it's settled, it's over, tell me. And this man, Dave had also been a press staffer in the Kennedy administration, and this was not his first prank against a reporter. He says, I'm sorry, Mike, I don't work for the NFLPA anymore. I just quit. If you want this story, you better get it from the executive director, Ed Garvey, or the president, Gene Upshaw. So now Janofsky grabs Bart Barnes of the WAPO, who had to have been, I don't know, 10 years older than Janofsky was, and he says, you have to tell me, Bart! I'll pay you! At which point, all of us lose it. I mean, me and the AP guy, Ira, we broke character. We doubled over with laughter. Now Janofsky froze. 
Dave from the union laughed so hard he turned red, and Janofsky marched off announcing he would get us and get us soon. I don't think he ever did, though if I had to do a phoner for CNN when Janofsky was around that lobby or any of the other places we did this story, I always made sure I guarded the phone disconnect button with my free hand just in case. But what he did do was leave sports altogether for safer and more fun topics, like covering the Environmental Protection Agency and getting writing stories about pesticides and recycling mercury. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Countdown has come to you from the Vin Scully Studios at the Elderman Broadcasting Empire in New York. If you know anyone who does not listen to this podcast and might enjoy it, first off, why? Secondly, tell the others. Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Chanel handled the orchestration and keyboards. Mr. Ray was on the guitars, bass, and drums, produced by TKO Brothers. Other music, including Beethoven stuff, arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music, courtesy of ESPN Inc., and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis. We call it the Olbermann theme from ESPN 2. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are from Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Jonathan Banks from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and Airplane. Everything else is pretty much my fault. That's Countdown for this, the 1,024th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Convict him now while we still can. The next scheduled Countdown is tomorrow. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.